it's U.S. Open week, and it's a lot to get to with the U.S. Open, but there's a lot to talk about before the U.S. Open. It's always my pleasure to be joined by great writer for SI now, Bob Herrig. Bob, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, of course, Bob's new book, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry, is out right now. And, uh, Bob, it's doing well, right? It's doing okay? Seems to be doing okay. I get a lot of good feedback, and, you know, even some of the negative feedback is good, too. I Absolutely. mean, uh, means, means people are, uh, you know, they're engaged. And uh, so, and, and Tiger and Phil have been in the news a lot this year, certainly a lot more than we thought with Tiger. And certainly for a lot of different reasons than we ever envisioned with Phil. Yeah, Bob, you know, there, there's so much to get to. And before we even talk about the U.S. Open, where you're at. But I, I, want, I wanted to, I read your column today, which was great and so insightful. If you're a golf fan, I mean, there was just so much there. Um, before we get to Rory's great win and his statement win, which I think truly it was, you know, at, at uh, Canadian Open, I want, I want to ask you about the whole live golf tour and had the first event um what were your general impressions because I, I gotta tell you like i couldn't find a leaderboard and then watching the action that the leaderboard on the on the left was okay but i didn't know who half the players were um i guess maybe the masters website spoiled all golf websites for me because it is so amazing but what what were your overall impressions of of week one of liv live whatever you want to call it yeah well definitely they've got they've got some growing pains um, you know, the, the, uh, their website with scoring was down for a time. Um, obviously it's a new broadcast that they've had to throw together, um, quite quickly. Um, you know, 10 weeks ago was when they announced their schedule. And so they didn't have a lot of time to put this on. I'm not making excuses for them, but, but I do think, you know, you have to take a step back and recognize that they have been operating on the fly. And they might have been better served to wait. But by the same token, they needed to get off the ground and show that they could do it. And given that there are a lot of things you have to do to put on a golf tournament, I think they actually did pretty well. I mean, yes, there are many, many places they can improve. The broadcast will have to improve. Um, you know, the, the way they show the scores um, on the left side of the screen, you know, they're, they're very, very into this team concept. And so um, that is a big part of that. You saw those team logos, which, of course, mean nothing to anybody right, right now. You know, so like that might be a mistake. And so that meant they had to abbreviate all these names, you know, half of whom are not that familiar to us. Uh, so, uh, you know, they've got they do they do have some things to some kinks to work out. The actual tournament on site, um, I thought was pretty remarkable, really. I mean, they had, you know, a lot of bells and whistles. They had a lot of entertainment options. Their whole thing is they want to play these 2 o'clock shotguns. It sounds like that's going to be sort of their time no matter where they play. You know, that'll be the time locally. Now, maybe it moves up a little bit if they move to a place where darkness becomes an issue. But the whole point is to condense the golf for those on site and for those watching on TV. I mean, their, their attitude is, is when you tune, tune into a normal golf tournament, like half the field isn't, isn't playing. You know, they might already be done, or they might only have a couple of holes left. For these guys, it, everybody's on the course at the same time. And so in theory, you can see them and keep track of them. 
They had a lot of entertainment options before, a lot of things to do. Uh, and then afterward, every night they had a concert. And, and they had a lot, you know, a lot of infrastructure that was, that was obviously a lot of thought went into and, and cost a lot of money. And then once the tournament started, once they played every day, I thought it was like regular golf. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't goofy golf. It wasn't putt-putt. It wasn't, I, there, there's been a lot of things that, that described how it might look. You know, it's, it's, if you watch a, a, a European tour event on the Golf Channel some mornings, that's, that was the look I saw, which was kind of modest crowds, you know, big, big crowds around the tees and greens, finishing and ending, a lot of hospitality. Um, and then Saturday, the last day, they had a lot more people. You know, so it's going to take some time on all that. But, uh, you know, they play by RNA and USJ rules. You know, all of that's the same. Uh, so now a matter, now it's a matter of do they get any momentum and traction? Um, and no matter, no matter what happens, it's clearly going to continue to be disruptive in the, in the game overall. Yeah, you know, Bob, I'm glad you brought all that up because you were there. So you obviously had a better viewpoint than us. Uh, I just like, I'm so, I'm so used to Bob. Like I know Golf Channel won't put it, you know, the scores up on their app or on their website right now, but I'm so used to like, oh, let's see who's winning. Is Charles Schwartzel still have the lead? And I couldn't find it anywhere. I finally just went on their website and was watching it live, you know, to, just to see who was winning. But um, yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot of kinks. I'm sure they'll work out. And uh, I mean, listen, money's going to be no object, clearly. Uh, when it comes to this tour, I, I want to ask you about a couple players on the tour. And obviously, um, Phil is, you know, he's the big point right now. He's hes the guy everyone's talking about. But, you know, DJ, it, I almost feel like when DJ got uh, lost in the shuffle once Phil de- uh, decided to play on this tour. Um, I don't know. D- DJ reminds me, Bob, a little of Greg Norman. I mean, he's got more, like four more wins than him on the PGA Tour overall. But. Like, he's had a lot of fails where he's had the lead in majors that probably he should have probably two or three more majors right now in his in his time. And I, I, I always feel like DJ, with as great a career as he had, and he's a Hall of Famer, he's won two majors, 24 wins, and I, I mean, Ryder Cups, everything. But I always feel like there should have been more. And uh, what are your thoughts on DJ going over and playing on the Live Tour? Yeah, I mean, he gave them a big boost. I mean, because because he's a youngish player with a lot of time left, top 20 in the world. He's actually really only fell out of the top 10 recently. You know, he's really kind of like one good result away from being back in the top 10. Um, just won the Masters in 2020, in November of 2020. You know, it's not been that long. I mean, he's a guy who could win this week. And he gave them a lot of credibility because he's, he's not an aging star, you know, like Westwood and Poulter and Keimer, although Keimer's the same age as, uh, as, as Dustin Johnson. He's wow. just not done anything right. for a long time. Um, uh, and, and ironically, they were both involved in that, uh, right. In that, uh, issue at whistling Straits. Yep. That's a major that DJ could have won, um, that Keimer won, but, um, you know, yeah, he gave them, and you know, Bryson now is the next one. He's given them a, a, a star player under thirty. You know, what if you add another guy or two of, of that sort of ilk? Um, all of a sudden, you know, it's like it's it's not as much of a joke as it was being portrayed as. It, you know, there, there was there was all kinds of conjecture when they first set up the schedule. Like, how are they going to fill the field? They'd started, they announced that they were going to maybe invite some amateurs. Oh, they can't even fill the field. No, that was actually a shrewd move on their part. It was to get some young guys on board who might be looking at it saying, you know what? 
I'm not, I'm not on the PGA tour yet. Why don't I just go play there for a year or two, make some money, get some money in the pot in my pocket. So I can, so I can then go through the process of trying to qualify for the, for the PGA tour, which is expensive. You have to get on the corn ferry tour first. You know, you've got to, you're playing for small purses. It's highly competitive and, and you're paying your way. And so, well, what if you bank a couple million dollars doing this for a couple of years, get, gain some confidence maybe. Now, of course, the, the other argument is, is this really competition when there's no cut and everybody's getting paid? I mean, if, if I were them, I think I, I would try to have a cut and, and, and just, you know, just guarantee everybody money for being there. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, frankly, that's, that's been something that's been discussed on the PJ Tour. Why should a guy go to a tournament and lose money? Right. If you're a if you're a card carrying member of the PGA Tour, and you missed the cut, well, you know you still were there for two days and were part of the show, and you get nothing. You know, like these. This is partly why we've gotten to this point. You know, obviously the money that we're talking about now is is outrageous, but that's not what they were talking about at the beginning. You know, these the the Premier Golf League was not talking about these huge huge. Um, advances and, and, and guaranteed deals. They were just talking about guaranteed money on a lower level that, that, would, that would be paid out to especially the star players and give them something for their value other than having to play their tails off every week to make any money. Right. I mean, you're right, Bob. Like For the guys like Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory, if they miss a cut, they miss a cut. That's fine. But when you're, when you're struggling, you know, to Grayson Murray, for example, you know, for for a guy like that, he misses the cut. It's, you're right. It's probably he has to pay his caddy still. It's still it's it's still costing him money, right? I mean, so it's that that is a very good point. I, I want to ask you about a guy who you know very well. You wrote the book uh, about Phil, and you got the exclusive interview uh, before the first uh, event with Liv. Um, Bob, there's just so many ways to go with him. You know, he's so perplexing. But I'll just start with: Is he okay? Like because you know I, you read all this stuff that he's got these horrific gambling debts and he just looked a little off the first week like where where is phil like as a human being right now yeah i think that's really hard to answer i mean he's putting up a good front said the four months were great for him you know he solidified some personal relationships it seems that he was trying very hard to address some of the conjecture that's out there you know we there's been all kinds of you know, speculation about gambling debts, um, uh, you know, losing his personal fortune, even his marriage. Um, in my interview with him, I did not bring up the marriage part, but I did ask him about the gambling right. and was he, was he in money trouble? And, you know, he, he dismissed it. He said, well, he didn't dismiss the gambling part. He, he said, look, I've been financially secure for a long time. And he completely put that aside. He goes, but the gambling thing, yeah, I've had an issue. And, he, and I thought he, he, he was far more open about that than I expected. I know, thought so, he, too. Yeah, I was kind of surprised at that answer. Yeah, he was, you know, he was forthcoming. He said he was embarrassed about it. Embarrassed that people know that, that he's had these gambling problems, that he's had to deal with it, and he still deals with it. So, but, I mean... Uh, there was a lot of speculation that these gambling issues put him in, in, the, in a hole to where he was, you know, uh, like maybe in financial distress. I, I don't think so. Um, my guess is no matter how much money you have, if you owe millions of dollars to somebody from gambling, 
that's going to make you feel like you're in financial distress. You know, you're right. not going to, you're not going to feel good about that. But, but I don't think it meant that he wasn't going to be able to like pay for the nice things in his life. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh it's a fair question. How is he? I don't know. It's, um, you know, this, and this is, this, you know, it, he, 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 he's trying to put up a good front, but clearly this is not an easy situation. Every time he's been asked questions now, you know, the Saudi involvement, you know, selling out, uh, you know, what's wrong with the PGA tour, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, I can't imagine it's easy. And, and that's probably why they had to pay so much to get these guys. Cause they know they're going to have to put up with a lot. Does, does he care about his legacy? He says he does, you know, he, 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 he makes it out like, you know, look, I've, I feel like I've done a lot for the PGA Tour in 30 years. The PGA Tour has been great to me. I appreciate everything, you know. And, you know, look, his record is his record. Um, If this never came along and he had stopped playing, you know, we would probably consider him a borderline top 10 player of all time, if not of all time. And I'm not sure why that would have to change just because we don't like what he's done. You know, a lot of people don't like what he's done for obvious reasons. The Saudi stuff is a very, very fair criticism. You know, turning your back on the PGA Tour, um, all those things. So, but the bottom line is he he did what he did, and it doesn't change it. I mean, O.J. Simpson's still in the NFL or the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Look, I'm not equating it to that. Right. But not even close. You know, that's the other thing is Phil – Phil hasn't broken any laws. I mean, DJ hasn't broken any laws. True. That's to me, this is why I, I find it interesting that there's this speculation, oh, the majors might not allow them to play. I just can't see that happening. How can they? How can you do that? I mean, they didn't, they, they earned their spot and um, through, through whatever they've done. And I get it with the PJ tour, you know, they've broken their rules. They, they played in a tournament without, without permission, essentially. Um, and obviously they see this as, as a disruptive force, a, a league that, uh, that is a competitor, and that's the whole reason they have those rules. They want to make sure these guys you know, are, are available for their sponsors and TV partners. Uh, all right, Bob, so let's get to, I think, the villain in this whole thing, and that's Greg Norman. There's a picture of, I think it's Alan Shipnuck, uh, being escorted off the grounds or being away, uh, moved away from Phil's press conference after the first day. And there's this great picture of Greg Norman with kind of like this evil smile behind. And, you know, he, Rory yesterday mentions how he now passes him on the win total. Um, does Greg Norman care? And is he a bad guy? Um, I'm not sure if he cares. I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I had a chance to talk to Norman on Saturday. I I was able to get him for a few minutes, and we talked about all this stuff. And you know, just personally, deep down, I mean, you know, when I was coming up, Norman was the guy. You know, he was tiger, right? I mean, he was he was yeah, that good. I mean, he was, and he was really popular and flamboyant, and you know, but back before, um, you know, the 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 great technology of of, of the day. Right. Norman was known as an incredible driver of the ball back when that was really hard to do when they had persimmon heads and you had to hit the ball in the sweet spot to hit it far and straight. And if you miss hit it, it was going offline and it wasn't going anywhere. 
nowadays the clubs are, are much more forgiving. You can get away with hitting it off the toe. You know, you're, you're, you can hit it crooked, but maybe not as much. Norman was an outstanding driver of the ball. He had this, you know, this flair and this personality. And, you know, in all my years of doing this, when he won, the, when, he, when he didn't win, when he blew the 96 Masters, like, you kind of get numb to this when this is your job. You know, you just learn to roll with whatever happens. There's no emotion per se. You know, obviously there's better stories. We root for stories. But, man, I just remember to this day that stung. I remember thinking Greg Norman should win a Masters. Yep. He should have won this Masters. He had a six-shot lead. He shot 63 in the first round. Nick Faldo had five majors. Nobody was going to think less of Nick Faldo if he didn't win that Masters, especially being so far behind. And, you know, so it was like kind of just a huge letdown that uh, I don't know if you saw the, you know, the 30 for 30. I did, I did, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you kind of relive it. It's just painful. Like, and I, I can't remember ever having that feeling covering golf. Maybe with Tom Watson at Turnberry, that was, that was tough too. Um, but, you know, that was one, like, you sit there and you go, that was not the result that, that should have happened. And I've always sort of had that in my back of my mind in dealing with Norman. You know, and he's had a great career, and, you know, he's won a lot of tournaments around the world. Um, you know, he's done fabulous for himself in business. But, man, he only has two majors. He probably should have had eight. Bob, and they're both open know? championships. He never even won. Right. He never won the U.S., the PGA, or the Masters. You're right. No. And, I mean, you know, he had numerous chances at the Masters. I mean, even as late as 1999, he was in the hunt on the back nine. Right. You know, so it's just, um, so, you know, it's hard for me to call him a villain. Um, I just feel like, you know, there is a segment of society that feels that, that, that I think is able to compartmentalize it. What the Saudis have done is atrocious in terms of their human rights. You know, we don't quite know exactly what their role was in 9-11, other than that 15 of the hijackers were Saudis. We don't know if the government was involved. We do know that our government seems to believe and think that, uh, you know, they have intelligence that, that uh, MBS ordered the murder of Khashoggi, mm-hmm. you know? So, so yeah. those are things that are hard to overcome, but yet they have this public investment fund that is invested in, you know, hundreds of companies around the world, many of them U.S., um, They've set up this golf league that's very lucrative. The players are taking a lot of grief, but they've had to hire a lot of people, too, to make it run. Those people are taking their money. Right. Look, I'm doing the what about thing. You know, I know, I know that that's, we hate that. But, I mean, if you're going to say the other side, that's, that's the truth. You know, there's a tennis tournament in Saudi. There's an F1 race. They have an annual golf tournament there. There's a lot of things that they do uh, that uh, – uh, that that could that are under the same guys that we're dealing with here with the golf, but yet the golfers are the ones taking a ton of grief. Right, because they're in, they're in the forefront. They're right there on the course, and people can see them. Uh, I want to I want to ask you about Rory. Just what an amazing final final round yesterday, and the way he wins it, and uh, you know you could tell that win meant a lot to him, didn't it, Bob? Yeah, it sure did. I mean, he had a great. Uh, 
He he had a great tournament. It was nice to see him win again. Frankly, him, JT, and, and Tony Finau battling was is exactly what golf needed. You know, maybe to get us a, a minute or two away from uh, from from all the controversy. Um, I did find it odd though that he used this whole live thing as motivation. Um, look, it was a great line afterward that he had passed Norman in victories, and and you know if that helps get him going, good for him. But by the same token, it's like you should be motivated anyway, you know. Um, and uh, you know it's it's not easy to win, and and uh, you know he hadn't won this year, so he he got one and. And good for him, but uh, yeah, that was the, the timing of that was 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 pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, and it's you know, it's you bring up an interesting point because that was the first thing he said to Amanda Renner yesterday was he's got twenty one more now. He didn't even mention him by name. He just said that the guy across the pond with the other league or whatever he said. But um, I mean, you know, I'm, I guarantee they went after Rory hard. But like, are are the guy the players in the PGA Tour like offended that? some of these guys left to take the money. I mean, because it's their choice. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is, is a little funny about it. You know, um, a lot of these guys have taken appearance fees to play overseas up against PGA tour events in the past. Um, and it's viewed as a one-off or, you know, doing it a couple of times a year, but they've still done it. You know, they were looking out for themselves um, again, I'm not I'm not condoning the the, the uh, live golf thing. I understand the problems with it and the angst about it, but but there is some hypocrisy I think with all of this. Most of the players and agents, top players, have been approached by either the Premier Golf League or the Live Golf people or both, and they had a lot of people interested, a lot of people, and it it fell apart with the Phil stuff in February when he got dropped by sponsors and it looked like it had blown up and a bunch of guys retreated and Phil was left out there to deal with all of the, you know, the backlash. And then look what's happened, you know, slowly, but surely a bunch of other guys have come back on board. I mean, Dustin Johnson three weeks ago was not going to do this. DeShambo had just the week before pledged his allegiance to the PGA tour, you know? So th- there's, they're offering something here that these guys are willing to go do this for. Um, and, you know, some of the things that Phil has said and that the reasons why this is even a, a, a possibility are due to the holes or the deficiencies in the PGA Tour model that probably needed to be addressed, you know, to keep it from escalating to the point that it is now. Not the type of money we're talking about now. Nobody was ever expecting that they should pay that. The, the, the live golf people have had to way, way overpay to get guys. But there was a system that they could have maybe put in place that would have kept this from happening because I think in general everybody would have preferred to stay under the PGA Tour banner. Uh, Bob, before I ask you about the U.S. Open, I just have, I always got to ask you about Tiger. Uh, we saw him at the Masters. It was amazing. He made the cut. He, at one point, he's four off the lead. PGA, he made the cut, but you could see how much he struggled. He didn't even play the final round. He's smart move not playing this week in the U.S. Open. I guess my question is, for being such a huge Tiger fan, is this what we're going to see now from Tiger, just hoping he makes the cut? Does he he realistically ever have a chance to win a tournament again? I think a lot depends on how much he can improve. You know, like he suggested at the PGA that there's room for improvement with his leg, like that it will get better, that he's got 
you know, and, and frankly, that's what needs to happen. I mean, he needs to be able to make it through a tournament without so much stress and distress, you know, um, and, and clearly on that, it doesn't help him when two majors in a row, the Saturday temperature right in the 50s yeah. blowing and right. miserable and wet, you know, that's not going to help him. He's still got a bad back and, you know, that didn't help. So that, that was a problem, but, um, uh, he, uh, uh, if, if there can be improvement and he can develop any sort of a routine that allows him to practice properly and he picks his spots with the tournaments and, you know, decompresses after and has the ability to build back up. Sure. I think he can win because I think the skills are there. He's shown flashes of it. He can still drive it out there. 300 plus yards when he's playing well, his iron game is still, is still world-class. His short game was, 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 um, you know, I, I, I would I would call it a little bit off. But he still has the shots. You can see how he pulls some of them off. I mean, just some really, really good around the green short game shots. But it's the subtleties of it. On fast and hard greens like you have in majors, you have to be so precise. You know, and he'd hit a chip that looked pretty good or a pitch that looked pretty good, and it would roll out to six or eight feet. You know, when he's on, he's hitting that to two or three feet rolls out to six or eight feet, you're not going to make all those. You know, it's just inevitable. That's golf. You know, the percentage make from eight feet is it's, it's far from automatic. You know, so, uh, and yet, did he have the ability and the time to dial in on that stuff? And that's, I think, the great, that that's the great unknown. So, you know, we expect him at St. Andrews in a month. It's going to be fascinating to see how, how he looks there. He'll have then had, you know, since the PGA, he'll have had like seven weeks you know, if that's not enough time to show some improvement, you know, I think that is concerning. I'm not, con- I'm not suggesting he's going to be anywhere near perfect. But you would think that after that he shuts it down. Maybe he plays his own tournament in December. Maybe he does the father and son again with Charlie. Um, and then can he come back and play a couple of tournaments in the winter like Riviera and the Players' Championship to have him to get a little seasoning before the Masters? I really don't think we can know the, the answers, you know, to these questions about him until in, in, until next year, when you've had that much more time to recover. Right, and it, I will say, Bob, for him to make the cut, and those for I heard Justin Thomas say we have no idea how amazing that is, and I, I'm with him. Like the fact that he made the cut at the Masters and the PGA is simply remarkable. Um, I want to ask you about uh, the tournament this week, which is the U.S. Open. Country Club, Brookline, uh, the Ryder Cup was there, right? That's when Justin Leonard hit the putt and uh, with Ben Crenshaw as the captain. Like, who, who does this course favor this week, Bob? Who, who, who would be your pick or some people to look for? I think it always favors the guys who, who are chipping well and who are hitting a lot of greens because you're not going to hit a lot of greens. Inevitably, it's unlikely at a U.S. Open. You're not going to hit 16 greens, most likely. You know, 12 or 13 or 14 might be a good day. And you want to hope that you're on, on the higher end of whatever a good day is. A lot of two-putt pars gets a long way in a U.S. Open. You know, you make, if you can make a bunch of two-putt pars and get a birdie putt or two to drop here or there, you're going to be right in it. I realized a long time ago, but when Curtis Strange and Nick Faldo played off, they were six under. Hmm. You know, and that's probably the winning score we're looking at. It was right. five under at the PGA. Think about just hitting greens and making pars and, you know, taking advantage of the par fives and limiting the mistakes. 
you know, but obviously you're going to miss greens. It's inevitable. And, you know, can you get it close? Can you get a, can you get a, uh, uh, you know, your, your chip shots within a couple of feet. So you're, you're not making uh, stressful bog- uh, pars all the time. And so, look, I like JT a lot. He's playing great right now. Justin Thomas, you know, was right in it there, almost shot for shot with Rory on Sunday. Obviously, just won the PGA a couple weeks ago with some incredible, with an incredible final round, and really only one bad round on that crappy day on Saturday. You know, so I like him a lot. I mean, it's hard to not like Rory. It's hard to win two weeks in a row, too. Um, but you know, I think it's the usual guys. I mean, John Rahm's been a bit off lately, but if his game comes back, he's you know he's proven himself to be perfect for these tournaments. Yep. Hey, Bob, before I let you go, just a personal note, like, how, was, how has this last week been for you, one of the best golf writers out there? Uh, have you enjoyed all this? Has it been a headache? Um, like, I mean, I, I would think it'd be kind of fun, actually. Well, I mean, I think, you know, those of us who do this, um, you know, I'm not wishing bad or good on anyone, um, but it's, it's been a very interesting time and a very newsworthy time. It's brought a lot of interest. There's been a lot of interest both sides of the live golf issue. I mean, it is a polarizing issue. And I, and I think I probably get the sense I'm doing okay because I get it from both sides. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a reporter trying to be as fair as I can be. So you shouldn't really know how I feel the way I write what I'm doing. And even talking here, I'm trying to give both sides I certainly understand the negative negativity of Saudi. Then I'll get from people, well, hey, do you drive a car with gas in it? Right. Well, where do you think some of that gas comes from? So that means they think that I'm against it. You know, look at I see all the sides. I mean, it's an amazingly polarizing topic that, you know, the, you know, look, Phil, Phil got a letter from, you know, one of the 9-11 families. Mm. Yeah, I saw you that. Know, yeah. What, what's he supposed to say to that? Right. You know, I mean, right. of course it's horrible. It's, it's a terrible thing what happened. We all know that. Um, are you able to separate it? Should we be able to separate it? Should, should, we, should we, given all the other things in the world that are, that are going on? You know, I, I just I don't think it's that easy to answer. Like, it's not, it's not black and white. You know, I've, 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 I've talked to my friends about this. What if you were offered life-changing money, oh, yeah. but, but it, meant, it meant taking a job in the U.S., but the money was coming from Saudi Arabia? If you don't, say, if you don't do it, you're going to feel really good about your ethics, right? Who, who else is? What does it change? Somebody else will take the job. Right. You know, I'm not saying that that's, you know, that that's, you know um, a, a reason to do it, but, I mean, it's just not that simple. And uh, it's been fascinating to follow, and I think it's going to continue to be. I mean, I, I think they're going to get some more guys on board, and um, I, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, the, the PGA Tour has got its hands full. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It's going to be fascinating to follow, and, you're, and I totally agree with you that this isn't the end of the people who are going to be switching over, um, for sure. Hey, Bob, this is always a, a treat for me. Great insight. You can pick up Bob's new book, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry, right now. Uh, it's a great read, and I always appreciate you having the time to join us here on the Golf Club. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me.